0: The forge has gone quiet, the bellows blow no more. The forge has gone quiet,
1: the smiths have gone home. Only fading embers
2: remain, and my hearth grows cold. One kiss from you to rekindle it all.
3: to Queen of Embers, it's episode 64. Um, we just recorded a kind of pre-game session, which you've probably already seen. That's why we look like we're in the same clothes. Still writing the same books. Still I'm drinking the same the drinks. I'm always shirt now, that way they never know. That's right. I'm always in a black kid. shirt. Um, yeah, it's, it's game session 64. Uh, so, a few things. Uh, Adam and Mike are back from being sick. Yay. Uh-huh. Or. Adam's back from being sick because Mike is back from playing a video game. Yeah, it's true. Uh, <laughs>
0: much.
3: Uh, Tim is out in California. Uh, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Yeah. So the whole city was shut down today. No school, no work. Um, citywide, right. No work. <laughs> uh So people were camped out the night before, oh, like 1 yeah. a.m. in the morning. Oh, yeah. It's, it's insane. It was insane. Yeah. Uh, did they ever get an idea what the total count was? I don't know. I know the wor- They said the World Series was seven hundred thousand people packed downtown. Yeah. Excuse me, packed downtown.
1: You were expecting a million or something? That's I don't insane. think it That's hit a million. More- I think it's
3: crazy. It's more than the population of Kansas City packed from like Grand Street down to Union Station. But it was yeah.
1: But it was thirty degrees out. I yeah, don't think they hit a, a million. That was my thing.
3: That's like I'm not going to go take off work to stand in sub freezing. Light. I saw the video and I saw Patrick Mahomes like pounding a a beer. beer. <laughs> yeah, shotgunning beer on the. But you know what? Well deserved. Good job, Patrick Mahomes. (laughs) But uh, football aside, uh, Tim is out. Sports Chiefs won. Sports ball. Score all the points. Uh, We're here to roll some math dice and pretend to be elves. Welcome back to Queen of Embers. And we're beginning Act 7 tonight. Act 7 of 8. So we are getting dangerously close toward the end. And I think maybe we should just kind of start where we left. uh, Well, we'll start first... Maybe we should go through... Let's ask first, what does... Adam, what do you and Mike remember where we left off?
4: Uh, I remember us being uh, put through the ringer as uh, we attempted to fight Graf, and uh, Graf left, and he basically said, this isn't over. Um, I'll get you and your little dog, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I still have yet to find out if Everyone actually survived. I assume he did, but
3: perfect. Well, if that's where we're, let's talk about where you you both left off. We can pick right up with where everyone else started. So, Jason, what
2: happened after that? So, uh, we're dealing with a little bit because Warren's on the ground and he's not moving. So, we're a little bit concerned about that. Um, So, uh, uh, Eugene runs over, uh, he's not a, a healer in any way. Uh, so he just does what he's been doing lately and put some tincture on it. And that worked pretty well. Warren comes around. Uh, we realize he is really banged up. He kind of gives himself a cursory glance and realizes he's got hours to find some sort of treatment or bad things will happen to him. So uh, we, we kind of weigh out our options at the beginning of where can we find somebody who can treat Warren and... Really, there's only one option, uh, and that was Emil Frosch. <laughs> uh, he's kind of the only doctor we have anywhere access to because the rest of them are across the river. Mm-hmm. And so we, we realized we're going to have to go into the camp to find him. And uh, so we, we grabbed some things. Um, I, I recovered the broken blade of Graf Frederick. i got that.
0: Oh,
2: oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Uh, so, we'll figure out what's going to happen to that one day. in um, uh, the river. Uh, no. Nope. So, we headed to the camp where we kind of devised a bit of a plan. And at this point, she comes out, which was delightful. So, so when we leave the contingent cannoneer, here, we leave with, uh, you two stay behind. Uh, Truman's kind of in, his, in a bad place. Uh, so, Harper says, I'll watch after him and make sure he doesn't do something stupid. Mm-hmm you two kind of just sit behind uh, Benneker, Eliza, Eugene, and not Warren, <laughs> leave. Right. And so that was great. And so we end up at the outskirts of the camp. We're discussing what we're going to do. Eliza says, give me a half hour. I'm going to go inside and find meal Frosch. And we're like, all right, we'll give you a half hour. And so she goes off by herself into the camp. Um, I won't tell that bit. I'm going to let her tell that bit. So we, the rest of us stay outside and are having a bit of a discussion. Eugene's asking Warren what's going on, trying to convince him, you know, sit down, lay down a bit. You're not well. Uh, and to which he basically tells me, you know, "You, you don't know anything about me at this point. Uh, and you have no business telling me what to do. Uh, I am here now, and I was like, "Warren, you've been here the whole time." And then he corrects me; she corrects me with, "I'm not Warren." And I was like, mm-hmm. "Well, he's sick in the head, and just took some massive head injuries. Clearly, he's not right." Um, half hour goes by, and Elisa doesn't come back, so we go in. We go in, I mean, Banneker and Eugene are going for the plan, which is we're going to find Emil Frosch, get him to search treat retreat Warren, uh, and she goes in and decides that the best course of action is I'm going to burn this camp to the ground. (laughs) So that went well. Yep. Uh, I tell Banneker, you deal with Warren, question mark, Uh, I'll go find Elise. And I take off running, and I come around a tent. And we'll pause here.
3: Let's turn to Elisa. So, Kay, what's happening?
1: So, Elisa was sneaking around the camp and managed to disguise herself. Um, she snuck by a couple martyrs who didn't recognize her, even with the posters being up, thankfully. Um, and she went towards the windmill, but she... Uh, couldn't find anybody in the windmill, so she turned towards the grass tent and saw one of the martyrs from the pub, uh, from the content cannoneer, and he called her over and she walked over and managed, he couldn't figure out who she was, thankfully, so he asked her to go get, uh, him some bandages and such to try to, um, heal himself or work on himself because he was bleeding and grievously wounded still. Um, so... She goes over, gets the things from the, uh, stores and everything that he asked for, and she comes back, and at that time is when, apparently, um, Eugene was recognized across the camp. Why was what, Eugene? What happened? What happened, <laughs> Eugene?
2: So I come around the corner of this tent, all like, it makes sense that Emil Frosch is gonna be in the middle of the camp. I'll go look for her there. And immediately run into two, uh, munitions-plate-clad soldiers uh, that go, he's got the broken blade of Graf (laughs) Roderick! Get him! (laughs) It's
3: a big sword, you can't mistake it. Yeah, it's
2: it's a huge sword. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. well, it didn't go well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Continue. (laughs) So so he gets called out, and as they call out to go after him, uh, Elisa turns and stabs the martyr straight in the neck. Marauder. Kills him, er, yeah, the marauder <laughs> that's sitting right next. She to She killed her. a god. Knock, <laughs> marauder, she knocks him out. Oh, I knocked him out and then I killed him. Uh-huh. I mean, mm-hmm. okay, so I knocked him out and then I killed him, and then I stole the bandages back off his corpse because he's not whatnot. And then I turned and shot one of the other martyrs down and blinded them. Somehow, I I don't know what happened to Lisa in that moment.
3: You had a yes. <laughs> they had surprise first off. <laughs> nice. And yeah. then Tim had like a. He uh, took, yeah, he took Banneker her halfway a down. a ton of turns. Yeah, but <laughs> right.
1: Banneker got like three turns in a row. So regular,
3: um, surprise, and then is normal? It,
1: Shit. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so Banneker took the <laughs> martyr halfway down, and then I blinded the martyr and ended up killing it. Um, one of them.
0: Marauder. <laughs> Marauder. <laughs> Soup
3: stained profit.
0: <laughs> right? Soup
3: All over. Stay in there. So, uh, so and that's why they're never coming back. So he doesn't have to say it, correct? What's <laughs> funny is
1: that Crusader was named Balake. For Balake. some reason, we did have that name down. I'm not. <laughs> sure. Oh, that's right, because she screamed Balake. Yeah. And then, um, Balake, so then no. that that last martyr takes off running as uh, Warren decides to go on a spree of burning every tent he can find.
5: He would. Warren was doing this thing. She was doing she, this the entire combat. Like yeah, she wasn't fighting at all. Fighting. Everyone was fighting. and She was just going around to t- t- tits. Igniting, igniting every yeah. single day. T- so
1: really
5: was really intense. So
3: the so that yeah. Ha ha! I got that. Very intense. And then
1: uh, they they took all the supplies out of the windmill and burned all of those <laughs> to the ground as well.
2: And Warren scared off a bajillion dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, randomly. They're like, "I'm going to bite you," and he goes, "And like." All scatter. of them, like all six dogs, were like, "I'm out." I'm out. <laughs> that makes yeah. sense why she got what she, the sword she got. Yeah. She what? <laughs>
1: and then we we stole two horses.
2: Hmm. Um, and I also have a second thing for you. When you were like, oh. um, I'm going to start worshiping the martyr." Uh-huh. Uh, I stole their their idol. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Stole the idol out of Graf Redric's
3: uh and they, they burnt
1: that down.
3: <laughs> and they got a meal.
1: We and got a meal. And we took him back towards the boat, but of course we can't get to the boat or anything. So um Banneker took a horse <laughs> and swum it swung across it swum. Swim. swam. 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 Swim? swam? I don't know. Swam across word. It? Took horse across water. <laughs> and um, <laughs> <laughs> Elisa broke the rudder on the martyr's ship i just didn't and... it. That would have
5: taken a lot more It was, just the, it more was work. just the dinghy. It wasn't like the main oh, okay. big ship. Okay.
1: Yeah, so their, their ship, is, it's now disabled. And then uh, we got back on the boat and we took off to Old Lork. <laughs> nice. Screw this place.
3: That's right. So we pick up it's morning on the Axwater River and there is a morning mist kind of lingering in the air. You can hear the water softly lapping um, against the side of the the boat um, as you're kind of going upriver. And you hear this slow burbling sound coming from below. And these massive kind of like smokestacks are billowing forth this kind of greenish gray ash from either side of the ship as the as the sail is raised, mm-hmm. it's not dropped, and the ship, the Madeline's propelling itself up up the axe water. It's cutting, not only cutting through the water, it's pulling the Last Wish behind it. It's pulling Jonas Sparrow's yes. ship behind it. The Madeline is now operational. So my question was, did we leave the people
0: no, across the No, they're all river? on the ship. They're, they're all on, on
3: the ship. The ship. Ships. Yep, they're on the oh, ship. we're just not eating for days. Then Okay, got it. <laughs> what
2: are talking about? We got creamed ice and pickles. Yeah, we're fine. Oh, fuck, that fuck? yeah, we that, do. That'll, that'll <laughs> be the village. Uh, yeah.
1: Speaking of which. Also, they were supposed which, bring food. It's fun.
3: There was creamed ice and pickles. Those bastards ate my we, ship. <laughs> not, only <have> <laughs> t- t- not only have you taken on people from Stowe, you took on the Gralsteaders. Yeah. Yep and others, Mm -hmm. and now the ship is awash with activity. Mm -hmm. There must be 40 people on this ship, not including yourselves. The galley, fortunately the Madeline will house most of them down below, Mm -hmm. but there's barely any privacy to be had save for in the captain's cabin top deck. But already, Banneker has set them to work. Sheriff Renault de Grey Is taking command of the people, uh, along with the uh, Grawlsteader woman, uh, to kind of quell any kind of bickering background. It's only been 24 hours, and and you left Stow in your wake. And these people who were transplanted no less than three years ago, men, women, and children, are now on the ship. Good thing we grabbed all those medical supplies.
4: Yeah. Do we know Speaking of which, do we know what anything at all about what happened to the uh, next Burning the we didn't that they, they were either killed or run on. Okay. The
3: last thing uh, the you saw... The
5: Marauders. <laughs> the last
3: thing that Terwin saw on the horizon was the forest burning in the shape of of people in armor. The Crimson Marauders marching into the woods. You saw nothing beyond that as you escaped. You literally fled still. The morning is here, and the ship smells of course of the strange smelty kind of burning coal perhaps that's but the, the whole ship is just like literally it's vibrating to some degree and there's some confused looks on faces that are here but uh, obviously they're gonna get accustomed to it um but uh, sammy newhouse as he's down below in the engine room so to speak um the entire the entirety of the madeline is now self-reveled completely awesome you've not had to drop uh, you don't have to drop oars at all and you're moving up river the morning mist kind of yawns open and there's a light snow falling overhead and that's where you all wake okay. a long night a very long night your eyes still a bit bleary from smoke stinging you all are very very tired as you were so from sleep deprivation at this point, everyone uh, will suffer, uh, 15 physical peril. Uh, Terwin didn't sleep at all. Nobody slept. Right. Correct. That's why you're all
4: suffering from sleep deprivation. But, yeah, no, I was just saying, if, if even if we got one which wouldn't count, uh, one hour, Terwin wouldn't have slept at all. Period. Sure. Um, and ever since we got on the ship, Terran has been looking um, off in the direction, like if, if we saw them on the, on the port side, he would be looking off the port side of the, the boat mm-hmm. from then until now. And he is still
2: looking off the port side of the boat. Eugene is going to uh, try and find a way to rest easy. He's been running on nothing but tincture for days. Unfortunately, finding rest on the ship that is now overcrowded
3: is incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. In fact, one may say as long as you are aboard the ship traveling upriver, you will have many restless nights. The, but the Madeline is not thrust into chaos. But there are a great deal of many people on this ship now, including those you brought before you from Kael Tyrion. And it's just, it's literally within t- less than 12 hours of everything unfolded in Stowe. Yeah. There'll be no sleep for none of you today.
2: Then I tink it up.
3: Be sure to bark your Oh,
2: alright. I'm going to go to Tirwan then.
3: He's on the port side of the ship, looking toward the shore. You can see the grim shape of a thick pinewood forest beyond the, like, almost like a dark silhouette behind the mist of morning, the cold, frozen mist and the snow. But the, the Axewater River is so broad um, that you it's hard to see to either shore from where you're at because the, the ship has a very um, deep draft these two, or sorry, shallow drought, but um, the river has been low for seasons, since the long summer.
2: So you're kind of carving your way up the middle of the river. And i walk up and just sort of prop myself up against the the railing, looking out, resting more on my arms and my legs at that point, and then just sort of give it a moment. To let him acclimate to me being there before I just start talking. The fuck you want? Well, quite a bit actually. Peace and quiet would be most ideal, but, and I gestured back at the boat, quite unlikely. More so, I wanted to ask you what's our plan now? Are we just going to continue to take all these refugees up shore with us? You see Emil picnic? as he's saying this, you see
3: Emil Frosh kind of walking in the background. He's red Bra on board. He's walking with Sheriff Sheriff Rinald, the Grazer, talking, laughing, discussing something. They pass out a sight into the crowd on the ship. The grim reminder of Stowe. I
0: think
4: I may have words with that man.
2: Would not blame you man Caused quite an ordeal, put many lives at risk. Honestly, now that we've gotten what we need out of him, I don't understand why he's still on the ship. To be fair, you haven't got everything out of him. Oh, we yeah, have. Yeah, we. Haven't. No. <laughs> I thought he was going to tell stuff while he cut open Warren's brain. He sure did. But it hasn't happened yet. Oh, we haven't cut open your brain. No. We're not cutting my brain. There's open. a reason we ha- I haven't had words
4: with him yet. It's because I'm not convinced that an accident's an accident yet. And until I'm convinced of that, I shouldn't be talking to him. Well,
2: what do we intend for all these people? These people can do what they want. But are they going to continue to do what they want on this ship? We need to find a place to get rid of them. Hey, that's
4: one of the reasons we're going to oh, Locke.
0: How
2: far out are we
4: from
0: Old
2: Lork? Uh, you're
3: not really sure. Um, you know, Old Lork is up the Axewater River. Uh, normally, you could get from Old Lork to Stow by ship in about five days, four days. Okay. But the river was swift. Old Lork And we're going sits, against the river. You are going against the river. Uh, but it doesn't really matter, because uh, the battle line is self-propelled. However, um, Old Lork sits not on the uh, not on Axewater, but it actually is where... Um, it is where there's a large lake called Cauldron Lake. And there's not like a sea, but it's a very large lake. And um, if you were to track where how to get back to Durandal, you would simply follow the Bastard's River, the artificial, the diverted river through the old valley that now, like almost like the Lake of the Ozarks, kind of twists its way down to Durandal. So you know Lork is probably four days away, five days away at best.
4: It would probably be best if when we get to Loke, We give them the option to stay here, or to come with us, to Durendal. But if they're coming with us to Durendal, they need to spend a day or two working in old log, so that we can raise the funds to buy them food, so that we can make it. Well,
2: that sounds like a good plan. Because if we don't, we're fucked. True. I'm not sure how well we're gonna make it to look. Probably on empty bellies, but I think I'll be okay and I pat a more rotund figure. Doesn't matter how big you are. No. When you're hungry, you're hungry. Yes. My bigger concern is not starving to death on a ship. Now at this point I'm gonna lean in a lot closer so it's quieter, more personal of a conversation. Mm-hmm. What is wrong with Warren? When we were in the camp looking for Emil Frosch, that wasn't Warren that was with us. It was, uh. Who is she? That's a good question. So I have a theory on that one. Do you now? I do. Remember that bit Eliza read out from the esoteric of Tyrindle? <laughs> you mean Elisa? Yes, yeah, sorry. The Esoteric of
3: Tyrendum. Let's take a pause for a second, because I would probably assume that Eugene has a pretty good memory.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Right? So let's pull out that passage you're talking about this' the of Torindal and read it off. We're assuming because remember, Eugene is a an Eloranite, he's an archivist.
2: Like he would have like things kind of lock into his mind. Eidetic memory for for reading. Yeah. Uh do 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 do. So he just rattles it off. <laughs> Maybe we should just read the whole thing. Here it
1: is.
2: It's the third age of mankind, but the second age of mysteries was a tumultuous time in the history of Mahal. Kingdoms rose and fell at the drop of a penny. The Oldish people had already received, or had already recently arrived from the first shore and settled into a region called Aquitaine by the Danish. The Oldish consisted of three families, the Erdane and Aglador, the Gentish in Giron, and the Ravanians in the girdle, The Church of the Covenant and the worship of their gods was still in its infancy, as the Eridanian priest had only recently begun to proselytize the Danish people of Aquitaine. One of the lesser-known incidents was from the early Second Age, scrubbed from the Holy Librum during the Great Purge by Queen Lysandra Priam, the Bitch Queen. It's a story about the Nightfather's servants who broke away into the material realm of Mahal. Records of this event have been eradicated with such fervor that only a few diary entries and elusive pieces of art remain. From these scarce and obscure sources, I have been able to deduce the following. Amyron, in the secretive states of his seminal work in the Libra Umbra, that angels who serve the Nightfather are born within an embodiment of a particular emotion. One such was a powerful angel whose name is lost to time like all of the night father's servants she was a unique expression of the night father's emotion at the time of her creation in her case emotion was something quite foreign and loathsome to the night father something too mortal the emotion of unrequited love despite all of her allure and influence the angel had never been able to entice the night father to reciprocate her adoration instead she was seen as an anathema to the night father a reflection his denial of all things unworthy of love yet she desired nothing more than to prove herself worthy through utter devotion but twisted to her own worldview. the night father has a grand plan to spread his influence upon mahal but not until the world has grown from its dark ages in the well of souls the angel grew to be influential attracting other angels of the night father who suffered from his unreturned love None of the Mahal knew her name, but she intended to ensure that both the Night Father and the people of the Second Age would never forget it. To end his love, she intended to gift the Night Father with the most chaste and wholesome of women of Mahal. Again, against his wish- his wishes, she descended upon Mahal and brought with her the cybra bastard-born children of the Night Father, who wore masks to hide their anguish and tears. The ang- angel was doubtlessly beaten back to the Well of Souls and her cybra escaped to the four winds, but more on that later. Disappointed and disgusted, she would seek to infiltrate Mahal so early in its infancy, the Nightfather plucked the angel from the well-souls and brainwashed her beyond the stars to the ethereal veil. She was imprisoned by a powerful hexagrammatic equation of dark magic and turned to the Numia, the ancient old in the world that roughly translates to Watcher Beyond the Stars. Today, when the Leviathan's eye... The Autumn Star burns balefully towards the world from the night of the Umbra Autumn until disappearing on the last night of Umbra in Spring. The watcher beyond the stars is allowed a brief glim- glimpse of Durandal. The Levenchi Chapter House of Durandal displays a half-burned painting said to have survived a terrible fire. It pictures a woman with flaming, with a flowing mane of black hair and burning eyes that def- defeating an angel with a pillar of flame. Even though the full story was lost during the Great Purge of the Second Age by Osandra the Bitch Queen, the painting reveals the truth. The angel failed in her efforts and was driven back to the Well of Souls by none other than Bessiah, one of the three magi, founder of the Church of the Covenant, and sainted at the Bessiah Square in Dorindel. That's my theory there. let What if she is that watcher from beyond the stars, the spaces in between, and Warren is her gateway back to this plane. By keeping Warren active in current events and areas he is most influential and to be influenced, if she is who she could be, we're putting more at risk than just Warren, putting everyone at risk. So what's her end
4: goes because you, you said a lot of words.
2: Yeah, I understand that. I may not know what her direct goals are, but I think she intends to come back fully. Which means we're going to lose Warren at some point. Oh, so she's going to be... In charge. Though. Permanently. And with how it went down in the camp... Well, that's kind of stupid, because if, if she was, I'd just
4: get it, because Warren no ain't around no more. If well, she wants to survive, she'll let Warren come out and
2: play if you know him. Well, if she wants to survive and take over, she'll choose to come back when you're occupied. As she did last night. You were a mite busy. No one can blame you. But when we were under attack and fighting arrows back and forth through that camp, mm-hmm. all she did was burn. She's going to do that again we need Warren most. Depending on him is a mistake and a concern. Unless we can find out a way to either ally her with Argos. I, I think Warren's a liability.
3: I should say, excuse me. Hear a call from across the deck, as uh, Emil Frosch is approaching. He's wearing a leather smock and he has a set of long gloves kind of hanging out the side of his shirt. He looks bleary-eyed. His eyes are bloodshot. He smells of smoke, as you all do. His hair is pulled back with a, a the bit of a result scrunchie, but uh, his hair is pulled back regardless. <laughs> and you can see kind of the graying wings on the side of his hair. He has his glasses affixed to the end of his nose. I have prepared your friend for his, uh, surgery. If we could, uh, talk? Hi. Yes? You descend. You follow him, and you all you all converge at this point to descend down to uh, where Warren is lying there, and his eyes are kind of darting back and forth, and he's been administered um, some seed pot of opium. But before you go under, mm-hmm. what happens? You see your friends converging around you, and you're kind of in this haze between like consciousness and about to pass out for
5: surgery. Well. First of all, um, Eugene, obviously he is prepared for surgery, and his shirt is off, and you see a giant. Oh, you not talking. Eugene is prepared. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, <laughs> no, I'm <preparing> you for <laughs> surgery. <laughs> 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 Eugene, you see a, a giant <laughs> mark on his on his left shoulder. It's a pulsating handprint with nine fingers. Definitely not the cause of like a lightning strike or a burn or anything like this. This is definitely unnatural
2: of I some look sort. Look at you. Look at you, Tiruin. I look at that and then I look up and I look directly at you. Emil Frosch having the, the great
3: bedside manner that only he would have, he simply takes the uh, part of his, one of the cloths off from, oh, from his waist. Out of his belt and begins to place it over
5: uh, Warren. What injuries did you have again? I'm sorry. Cerebral contusion, head trauma, and mutilated hand. That's right. And, and he he's just doing it. S- he she he grabs his hand and he he's, he sits up and says, "I while she was controlling me last night, I was around backstage." Looking around. I saw some things. I found out her name. Her name is this and just time... then. <laughs> <laughs> he his 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 hands go immediately to his neck and he starts trying to choke himself to death.
4: Oh I'll try. Yeah. And... Oh. try. <laughs>
5: Everyone's gonna leap. At this point, you will
3: fresh his eyes are wide and you all leap toward Warren and yeah. By the time you manage to relinquish uh, her hands from his throat, Warren's eyes have already rolled back into his head and he is now unconscious, being prepared for surgery, taken by the opium. Uh, it's so cinematic. <laughs> Emil is. He is looking down and. <laughs> He's kind of taking a beat for a moment as you are kind of collecting around Warren at this point. You said you uh, you said you, uh, took their shrine or their symbol for the martyr. Yeah, hey,
2: pull my backpack off because I'm going to leave my stuff
3: anywhere with all these people.
2: <laughs> There's this huge, heavy stone statue that
3: looks like a woman with outstretched arms that has been that has literally stained red. Stay okay. perhaps in pig's blood, you would guess, or something else. And would I feel like that's not like the normal, like was that normal for her, or is that not? Well, it doesn't res.
0: it isn't res- the thing that... you've
3: seen in the in the Libram, at least from your your alert your time in seminary right. or whatever it may be. Uh, do do, you, do have you have a sk- me, do so. you have a do you have a skill or rank in education? I don't yet. Okay, um, you don't recall these specific imagery, although. There was a time in the Libram, in particular when the Church of the Covenant was its founding, when they were kind of absorbing other cultures. And there are other cultures in the world that do depict a woman uh, who they call the they call the Crimson Martyr. Uh, Or the, in this case, the Red Revenant. Mm -hmm. Uh, The maiden of the maiden. uh, She is a Valkyrie of sort that uh, she ferries along dead soldiers to the Well of Souls, and she's also a figure of vengeance, Um, in particular fiercely protective of mothers and children. Okay.
5: Um,
3: Yes. Let me take a look at that. Um, Miss Harper would, uh, I hope Warren won't mind, but uh, I think I might say some prayers while he's uh, under. I turn it over to you.
4: Yeah. Woman won't mind, but she will.
3: Well, to be
2: fair, I don't give a fuck about her. Yeah. To be fair. The Red Revenue Relic is the one in conference.
3: So at this point, Emil is going to go about his work, uh, attending to Ward's numerous, numerous injuries. Uh,
4: right before he starts now, I am going to say, so you bonus down here for
3: uh, what? We spoke last evening, friends and I, that uh, we would have a discussion about uh, what unfolded. And oh, so well. and then uh, to continue our conversation from when I was in the Pictish camps, I owe you that.
4: Ah, uh, I thought I thought you meant that we needed to do this before you started. but well, I don't want to distract you. Oh goodness no! I'm
3: going to be at this at least for nine hours. Don't, don't, don't you
4: think you want to be like focusing on that and? So do you need to be alone when you're hacking and hewing through picks and martyrs? You no, know, I'm not about ready to strike up a conversation while I'm doing it. I'm kind
3: of, you know. Well, I think you're being fairly judgmental for somebody who has never had any true physical training, Master Forrester. Trust me, I know what I'm doing. He puts his gloves on. He fixes his glasses. And he pulls out this big, thick, heavy book that is uh, embossed with the words, The Corpus. <laughs> no, no, mental. He begins thumbing through this well worn leather tome. And he comes to one that looks almost like a. If you've seen like those blowout diagrams of like a clock that shows like the different gears, you can see what looks like a blowout diagram of the gray mass inside your head. But it seems to show these different pictures portraying the four humors, uh, shown as like almost caricatures of a person acting in that fashion. Uh, And it has several diagrams of the brain that don't look like what we would perceive as medical figures. It looks more like uh, illuminated manuscripts that are fanciful. Um, And that the brain does not look like a brain at all. It looks like there are four lobes. And each of those lobes is the bilious, the sanguine, the melancholic, and the others. All four humors portrayed. And he is going to set to his grizzly work as he pulls out literally a metal cap from his surgery kit with a giant screw in the middle of it and pliers that would attach to the head and it begins to uh, drill into his head to relieve the blood from his cerebral contusion. You can see the blood begin to slowly gather in this pan underneath the table. Meanwhile, the boat's kind of moving back and forth, but EMO seems to kind of be moving with the motion, kind of jostle this way and that, but his hands are perfectly still. I spent some time <clears throat> it's a medical study in Durindle. Uh before, well, after during my time as an alchemist, and apothecary, if you will. I always found it queer that uh, apothecaries were to sell to barber surgeons, and we were forbidden by law to practice both professions, so I sought to teach myself from the masters. That is. He looks toward the book once again, and he pulls out this long kind of blade and it begins to kind of cut along the back of the head and he's doing something fairly grotesque. Does anyone here not have indifference? <laughs> I don't have indifference. Raise your hand if you have indifference. Okay. Well, <laughs> this is right? For those who don't have indifference uh, you need to attempt a challenging result test to withstand stress. <laughs> And he's just like I don't care. he's just like ripping
5: into someone's Cheryl skull James. as he just mm-hmm. casually, you know, conversation. So how's
1: the weather? <laughs> no, it's
5: still, it's still the server. We you just have <laughs> yeah. We're just like you not feeling so good. Right. Not feeling so
3: good. Okay, so you gain three corruption from stress, and you also suffer three mental peril. You do not know what order is. You could feel you can feel your heart fluttering. You can feel kind of like that kind of sickness in your stomach building, but you hold your lunch. Or what you have left of
2: it, at least. You might at some points like go above deck, throw up, and then come back down. Sure. I'll eventually have indifference. So uh, there'll yeah. be four of us. That's
4: right. Uh, don't care. So, yeah. I mean, I know you're an expert, Noel, but normally when I'm doing something like that, is to hurt them. So is it like a bit of the the dog that bit you sort thing? Well,
3: that's a rather. Crude and grim, look at it. But uh, if that's the way you wish to characterize it, certainly it's the only way I can understand. Well, I'm afraid I cannot give you a a lifetime's worth of medical training the mere nine hours I have to
4: treat this man before he bleeds to death. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can't teach somebody how to become a soldier in you know a matter of a matter of moments. But you can at least say him with the pointy end, eh? Well, there's in simple terms there's good pus and bad pus.
3: As you can see from his brain, he is sanguineous. Too much blood on the brain. And this white putrescence here that is good, that means he will survive. He will survive this surgery, but he has still yet to treat a mangled hand and... Head trauma. And head trauma. What
2: was that again? Horn will...
3: Your friend shall walk away alive, Let I assure you of this. But um, we will simply put some metal plates where necessary, where the incisions have been made or the drilling, in this case, as he kind of he kind of pull, he kind of twists these pliers. that's kind of on the head like this, and as he does that, the the, the hole he 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 um, drilled in begins to seep with clear liquid. Hmm. Good pass. You see, he shall survive the head trauma as well. This is good. We rolled for this, by the way, last game session. Oh. Did you? Okay. <laughs> we rolled for all of it. Uh He continues his his, his his work. So as to our conversation. Remind me where we left off.
1: Where uh, we left off? You didn't give us much to go on.
3: I seem to recall that you came to my rescue and myself and Hans and Franz were uh captured by the vicious
4: pink bloodleaf. <laughs> what a story that will make. No. At least you wasn't captured by the vicious Graf Rudyard. I mean, either one was no good for you. Neither was good for Stowe, Neither No, wasn't. both
3: terribly violent people. <clears throat> it was only a matter of time. You mix well. Oil and water do not go together. You All were- that had to happen was somebody had to flick a match to um, an euphemism of sort, and. Up okay. it all went.
1: Maybe best, considering that certain people may have flipped matches at this point to not use that analogy.
3: Do you think, dear madam, that uh, I would simply set stow aflame, knowing that I had a living, a healthy living for that matter?
1: Speaking of that, you told us you'd tell us information about the Guiding Hand.
3: Yes, the Guiding Hand. We spoke a bit more about other things too. But, uh, if that's where we are to start, fine. I know this much about the, the Guiding Hand. They are a ruthless organization that uh, have uh, that have controlled Durandal's trade for some time. Price fixing, collusion with other merchants, gilded merchants for that matter. They have worked behind the scenes to ensure that prices fall uh, within their desires, not too unsurprising. They are guild masters of a sort, but uh, as I'm sure you can surmise from their rather sinister-sounding name, they work from behind the scenes. They are not instigators or guild masters themselves, but without a doubt, robber barons. The Ravine Girdle is rather um, is a battleground of sorts for such things. Knowing the stripe that is unfolded and uh, the girdle and baggled for some time, but they do their business on the east side of the river so it does not interfere with the business of old Lork or the other gangs. not to say that of the guiding hand is a gang by any means, but uh, they are controlled by very powerful people, primarily a man named Bruno Lehmann. When you had first come to the camp, I certainly thought you may have been assassins of his, if you quite recall.
1: And why would he have sent assassins
3: after you? Well, as I mentioned, my friend, Eustace Adelaard, an old friend from Durandal, when I was paid, I was paid in merchant favors and scrip. One thousand gold crowns, it was marked by Bruno Lehmann. I suspected that Eustace had been caught up some dangerous game you know of the suit stained prophet I trust I do then you know of the then you know that Eustace Adelard has given up all his worldly possessions and sides with the workers of Durenddel he would not have a thousand gold crowns to pay particularly for this batch of Madame Geneva that was particularly special
4: I was so special about
3: well to be... Quite frank, a Madame Ginov is inexpensive to produce. It is produced in a still, uh, caustic, combustible in some cases. they seems to skip over the whole part about stove blowing up, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, however, it is not inexpensive to produce. Uh, if I were to produce enough, Madame Geneva, to match a thousand gold crowns, it would have filled this ship twice over. No, this Madame Genova was special, he says. I told you, I spent some time as an apothecary, he's saying this as he begins to tap this little hammer to put the first plate on Warren's head, or he shaved it with a straight razor. I was an apothecary before a physician, as he's kind of tapping on each of those little, little pins. Like kills like. Any generous amount of medicine can turn, be turned into a poison. The same is to be said for folkbane. Enough. Laudanum, and you can turn it into, you can weaponize it to poison. Yeah. The Geneva that I produced for my good friend uh, was, a, was
4: laced with folkbane.
2: what need would he have for poison jennifer was it a batch he intended to give to a particular people you must you must understand that uh, my relationship with eustace
3: Adelard has been by trans- transpondence uh, when and if we could speak it was never face to face after all eustace was in Dorindal on the other side of the Steadwall, and I was here in the Axwater Valley. In the Axwater Valley. So, you've, so never you've never met him? I told you, he and I go way back in Dorindal. Well before he joined the Thirteen.
4: All right.
3: For his needs, I cannot say, but I suspected that he was in trouble, and I knew that if I didn't do this thing that would put Eustace's life in jeopardy, The people that he works with. Thirteen. I think he's caught up in a dangerous game and over his head, and I did not think to question Eustace when he made this request, for I knew that if if he was being guided to do this, he uses the word "guided" very definitively, that it would put Eustace and his loved ones in great danger. Danger myself with the people of Stowe.
4: Well, you think you gotta do this is I uh hold up our wanted paper.
3: I don't know who was Julian Coventry. He points toward the name on the bottom of it.
1: Wait.
4: Uh, me oh my memory's not serving right. <laughs> hold up for a moment.
1: You don't know who Julian Coventry is.
4: He's some hanger on
3: in the Baroness's court.
1: So you do know the name.
3: Name sounds familiar, but uh, I was. (laughs) I am not a member of the Velvet Throne. He holds his hands up like this. Not by a long shot. I don't. I don't traffic in those circles. After all, I am just an apothecary, he says, as he continues his grim work. No, the name sounds familiar, but. Many moths to the flame when it comes to the sun, moon, and the stars of the Rindle fly too close to the flame and. You shall be incinerated by the Queen of Embers.
4: Queen of Embers, eh? Yes. I've heard that. Maybe once, twice.
3: Oh, an no, old limerick,
4: yes. What's that mean?
3: I shall sing it for you, and you can tell me what you think it means. This is a very familiar tune, at least to any Durindola. The forge has gone quiet, the Anvil lies mute. The forge has gone quiet, no more does the hammer fall. Only fading embers remain and my hearth grows cold. One kiss from you to rekindle it all." I could go on, I trust Trust me, it's, dread,
4: it's a dreary limerick. I feel like I've heard it many times before in, a, in another life.
0: Hell,
3: right. Like, maybe 63 more times, 63 times
4: or so? Uh, something. Something like that?
3: Yeah. Regardless. The, uh, the Limerick is not in reference to the Baroness, but one cannot help but make the comparison between the two. I'm certain you're well aware that uh, he kind of looks around to make sure nobody's around that Madeline, Maddie, as she is called uh, by her lovers, that she attracts a... Like a like a like a brilliant flame, she attracts sycophants and other hanger's arms, and those who come too close get their wings burned.
0: Huh. There has
3: been us in that. that. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, who would blather on and on about things like loyalty and undying Feldy. service and stuff like that? I don't think any. I don't. I don't. Shit. Those
4: who believe.
3: Those who believe in the whims and will of the Velvet Throne those who call themselves leal to the Baroness's uh, call, the secession and all, the divorce, if you will, to use a more common pejorative. Apropos, I suppose, considering that she did divorce the Baron De- the Baron Genevieve, but uh, no less, um, people have certainly begun to associate this uh, brittle, this poem, this limerick with, not uh,
0: hmm.
3: the same token. There was a conversation I remember having with Eustace Adelard well before the time I left Dorindal when he was talking about some terrible accident that happened and some burnt man he met and that this man had commanded a great respect among these laborers. He uh, does.
4: Did and
1: Eustace believe it?
3: You believe it? I mean certainly. I mean Eustace trust me Eustace was is no fool Eustace in a former life was um, a very I would not say conniving but I would say very um, successful business person and he gave up all of his worldly goods to join this cause
0: hmm. he joined
3: alongside with this prophet and his people he believed very strongly that the by the time I had left Durendal, I mean, he was already gone over. And there was no doubt in my mind that it was true. He gave away everything he had. Everything. Every worldly position he had to the adherents. Hmm. Everything he had. His home in Besides Square, a nice little two story place not far from. Not far from. Um, slum Row. The man was rich as Croesus, and he left it all behind. Belief? Call that belief. I would call that uh, submission. Fatalism? Well, I suppose. What what to do to uh, pay tribute to distant gods who do not answer prayers when they are given before their hallowed halls built of millions of gold crowns, or perhaps a man who can walk among the who has survived a terrible fire yet is able to speak with the voice of. Messiah herself. I mean, one cannot simply ignore the realities of why someone may be so enraptured with the suit stained Eustace. I'm sure was caught in the crossfire his old relationships with with the guiding hand and the new, which was with
5: with the prophet. Hmm.
1: So then, this begs the question: man who. Gives up everything that he is, everything that he earned, everything that he was, to follow this man pennilessly. Why would he go back to the Guiding Hand?
3: That I do not know. I think that he had old deliances with uh, the Guiding Hand. That there are some relationships that cannot simply be severed so easily. The fact that the script was marked with Bruno Lehmann's name, knowing that Eustace was penniless... The, the, the prophet and his people, the 13, I think they're called, I don't think that they have more than two brass pennies to rub together by choice. Were I to make a judgment, knowing who came to pick up the Madame Genova once it was finished, well, it was not Eustace, I suspect something more foul at play. Whether Eustace is being used as a pawn, by The guiding hand, or rather, or if it is being, I don't know. Okay, Frankly, as I have not given it much thought, and, and, and such lines of questioning oftentimes can lead to perilous ends.
1: In these correspondences that you've had with Eustace, are you sure that it's by his hand? Without a doubt. So who picked up? Gentlemen? Well,
3: it was on a river barge. Uh, there was a ship called the Red herring. I remember it because there was literally a red herring painted on the side of the ship. Whether that it was its name or not, I'm not sure. but it was piloted by a captain and a crew of gangsters, doubtlessly river vipers.
0: Hmm.
3: And more curiously. The, there was a tall, twisted man in a old brass and ivory mask. That's when the merchant's favors were given to me. And without a doubt, it was certainly taken by the Bassett River to the Layman Salt Mines. No doubt. And no doubt in my mind that it crystallized. It was like a, like a diamond, I knew at that point that... This is all pointing back to the Guiding Hand and Bruno Lehmann. They had to have gone to the Lehmann salt mines. Where would those be? Just north of Durandal by a day. Just up the Bastards River.
4: So when we going to Durandal, we'll be going through it.
3: You will certainly pass by it, and if you were to simply blink, you will miss it. But you will know it by the White Salt Cliffs alongside the Bastards River. Alright, so... Been there? Goodness, no. What business would I have <laughs> near the Layman salt mines? I am no miner,
4: no worker. I don't know what business would I have in Keltirian, but I wound up
2: there. <laughs> so that may be our next stop then. Oh, no, our next stop is Old Locke. Well, after Locke, then. We have a few passengers to disembark.
1: A few. looks up at the sounds
4: above have you been to log? because I've only been to
2: log. I don't believe I've been to to log. would
3: you mind handing me that uh, that bone saw there I will pick it up and hand it to him he lifts up Warren's hand gingerly up, looking at this mangled, mutilated mess of flesh and bone. Mm. I think I shall try to save it. He, the he bone did. saw down. Now I think that this Are will you? require some yes. delicate, some delicate work. And um, frankly, I don't think you want to see what I'm going to have to do. So, if you wouldn't mind excusing yourselves, uh, perhaps we can readjourn mm. when the sun goes down. This will take some time. Yes. As you wish. Emil nods. Emil. Emil nods, and you could have adjourned back to the captain's quarters uh, just yourselves.
4: So what do you think of this man's
2: character? Well, I think he's still callous. I think he's still unwilling to admit what damage he's done. I still think he is arrogant enough to think that he was still in the right for everything he's done. Still thinks the Pictish are to blame. Still is willing to let fault fall on everyone but himself. If he weren't working on Warren, or her, at the moment, I wouldn't want him put out of the ship. Yeah, next time Warren's
4: around, I suppose we should restrain him. He can say what he wants.
2: If she's willing to silence him so violently, I believe she's willing to dislocate a shoulder to stop him. Hmm. So
4: you went to university, right?
0: Mm.
4: You didn't play any silly games when you, 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 after hours when you was done studying and you was drinking. Oh, it, she'd make him pass. She'd make him fall asleep for a bit. Ain't gonna kill him. No, I never played any games like that.
2: Well, I spent my time
4: play. reading. Huh. I suppose I should have done that, huh? Mm. What do you think?
1: He's a selfish prick. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, he <man. laughs> <laughs> is. Doesn't matter. He's not going to give us much information, to be honest, that we don't know. Ask us to Nick, please. There's a bit, knowing that it was the river vipers that picked up. To be honest, he's going to guard Eustace so hard that I don't know that there's much information else that he can give us. Other than he could put us in contact with Eustace. If that's what we wanted. But is that what we want?
4: I want to solve this bloody mystery and I want to move on. Well, we now know there's a large shipment worth
1: thousand gold of poison that's been brought to a mine close to Durendal.
2: Why yeah. a mine?
1: Because it's controlled by the Guiding Hand and where else do you keep things?
2: Yeah, but a warehouse in a city where you intend to use it makes more sense. Not it's... if
1: there's guards that would potentially look at shipments. If it's outside of Durendal, they don't
4: have the that's wherewithal yeah, what, what
2: to look what at it. use a thousand crowns of poison The
4: entire town. Mm. Uh, either, either that or a party.
2: That's what I'm thinking. A celebration. And what's the biggest event upcoming?
4: Well, either from that or the biggest event that nobody could... Well, no, that wouldn't work. Never mind. Um, or a secession celebration. Bingo. Meh. Alright, what do you think of Emil?
3: Well, I wouldn't say he's good people. He's obviously an opportunist. And a survivor. He'll say whatever he can to get out of a sticky situation, I don't, I mean, we can trust him as far as we can throw him, and if that's overboard, then, well, that's about as far as we can.
1: hmm So you don't believe his
3: words? I mean,
1: I think he'll tell
3: us anything we want to know as long as he thinks he's going to benefit from it, right?
1: Well, he's living, and that's his benefit right now.
3: So, do I we... mean, I'm, I'm just saying, don't do what you did last time, but I mean, just ask them normal questions.
4: Did we think that an accident what was an accident?
5: I wouldn't doubt it.
4: There was a lot of money that he probably lost. you think about it. Yeah, that's probably going to motivate him more than the lives of some people in the town,
1: too. Honestly, I don't think he set the fire on purpose. I do think he was an idiot. Because he thinks he knows everything. We walked away from it, thinking that, well, he couldn't have made something explosive, right? He knows what the fuck he's doing. That's quite insightful. Well, that's what I would assume. But he had an entire store at the granary, right? That granary blew up, along with the rest of his store. Why would have it lost his profit margin? I don't think he gives two shits that he potentially killed an entire town, an entire
0: group of people. Thought,
1: yeah. I don't think he cares, one way or the other. He's probably more upset with the fact that he has a few less gold crowns that will be coming his way. So I don't think he said it on purpose. I do think he's a fucking idiot. What oh.
0: do
4: you think? Think an accident's an accident?
2: I think until we find any indication that it wasn't, should assume it is. The moment we start assuming it's not an accident is the moment we're going to start seeing things that make it, not an accident.
0: <laughs>
2: I think it's quite likely two reasons, either as it is an accident or Frosh is a loose end, being tied up by a much more powerful player in a much bigger city. Time has passed at this point, as
3: you've been discussing and talking back and forth in the Captain's Quarters, and at some point Warren, bandaged, and apparently in good spirits as best spirits as he can muster, he wanders in. As so you look outside the captain's
5: the captain's window, you can see it's already nighttime. So with a cerebral on. contusion, um, I will remain unconscious until I have recovered. So that means you've been, I've been tinctured. Been, I've been tinctured. So yeah. I'll take my. Uh, you have is been it, tinctured. It's three, right? One. one, one. Okay. You have been tinctured, my friend. <laughs>
3: It's Jason <laughs> <laughs> do you have to take a tincture per injury yeah. if he wishes to ignore all three and um, yeah you want to do you want to ignore all three uh, I'll just do the one okay okay so his hand is kind of is in a in a rough spun cast and you can see these kind of like this this these kind of splints of wood that have been tied and in, into his hand around his hand and uh, of course he's got this kind of metal plate on the side of his other head where they where they drill where um Emil Frosch had drilled in and relieved the pressure on the brain from the cerebral contusion. Um, you can see his eyes are highly dilated at this point, uh, but you can see the best smile Warren could possibly muster given given this given what he just undergone. And he looks a bit he looks like he's a bit kind of frayed at the edges. But he comes in has a he has a a wineskin. I don't look that bad, do I? <laughs> it takes a long time. Everyone's kind of looking at you. Everyone's kind of this dead look on everybody's face as they're looking toward you as you walk inside the captain's quarters and close the door.
2: Arden, you've always been an honest man, so I'll be honest with you. Yes, you look
5: awful. Terrible. Uh, I appreciate you telling it to me straight.
3: You're all loud, blockhead! You hear Sammy say as he comes across and a, gives you a firm
5: shake. and Oh, sorry about that. I managed to make it through.
4: I've seen worse. It's good to hear. You look like shit though.
3: You smell like it too!
5: <laughs> well, Sammy says, It's kinda hard to use the privy when you when you're under. You know what I mean.
4: Uh, I do. Well at least it
3: took the time to clean you up, I suppose. Yep. You still stink. <laughs> Look, I'm gonna take some air with Aileen Woodward tonight. We're gonna do some chit chatting about what to do next. Cappy, you know, Banneker told me we're going to Old Lork. Yeah. Let us not linger too long. I'll take the air. You come see me when you're done. We'll catch you up. Get a drink if you can. All right. It's good to see you, buddy. Thank you. Man, they shake <coughs> arms like this. And the two Grawsoners part, leaving just the five of you here.
5: You talked to Emil?
4: I did, and I'll uh, walk forward and I'll I'll give you an embrace. Taryn's not very affectionate, but he's still—it's a pro hug, it's a
5: yeah.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Three claps in the back and walk away.
1: <laughs>
5: Awkward high five at the <laughs> end.
4: Gradually, <laughs> <laughs> you, uh,
5: you, you made it too.
4: I thought you was dead.
5: <laughs> Sometimes I wonder.
3: Well, now he's a holy man. Get it?
2: Does that point to my head? All right, that makes two people I want to throw off this post. <laughs> two.
5: I'm always one for making a jokes. Mule you
4: might be a few more
3: <laughs> i'd take the wrestling fight and match anything just come on
4: awesome. how, how are you far I, I saw that there was <clears throat> you, you too i saw that there's a lot that happened in that fight it's not a thing that touched me
3: her clothes are a bit tattered and ripped but she appears to be
5: whole. unharmed,
3: <laughs> unharmed. Your eyes deceived you, your blood was trickling in your eyes in the sweat. But she has managed to, she somehow managed to escape with her life. Not a scratch on her, just smoke across her face and hair.
2: I all right. Still the bad leg, but there was a brief moment where Graf dislocated my other knee. But he was nice enough to put it back when he hit me again. So that was nice, <laughs> I suppose. Got that going for me. You know what else you got go and find it. Well, I also have this handy, brand new, and I unsling my pack again and unwind the the relic blade of Craft rhetoric that's still shattered. Handy new wall ornament. I don't know what I'm gonna do with this yet, but it's quite nice.
3: Throw it in the damn river is what you should I'm do not with it. i throw it in the river.
2: Do you know how much this is worth?
3: Is your life? You think he's just gonna let you have
1: that? He knows you have that. You are a dead man. You throw that overboard right now. I'm throwing
2: it overboard. He's not going to trust that it got thrown overboard. No, either. he's going to come seeking me down. At least now I have a bargaining tool. Yeah, as far as as that'll I... stab you with. As far no, as I reckon, no, he's broken. coming
5: He's coming after us, whether we like it or not. He is. If one of us is wielding it, it's going to mess with his head.
1: If one of us has it, he doesn't.
5: Exactly. Well, if it's at the bottom of the river, no one got it. I'm I say we get back. He'd swim for
1: that damn
2: what do, what do you think? I say we but get. Then he can sink in his armor. All right, all right, all right. Hold up that the broken, just the handle portion. we get back to the Can teach me Darwin. We put it back together. We no. have someone do it. I almost hit Warren with it.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, do you know what
4: that is?
2: Yes, I'm well aware of the legend that's around it. Right,
4: it's much more important than just what not. It's an heirloom to the old fucking kingdom.
3: Harper looks nervous. He's like, "This is not a good idea." Yeah, yeah, I understand.
1: Were we supposed to just leave it in the tavern? Yeah, he people, ran out so? on
2: it. That makes it Oz by conquest. Uh. <laughs> so, knowing that you've kind
3: of discussed this to its well-frayed <laughs> ends, we should end the conversation about Blade for now, <laughs> because nobody is going to give here. And we yeah. should move on. Harper literally watches his hand. He'll have nothing good.
1: So, our next move is to go to Old Law. <coughs> what else do we have? Anything else
4: to go on at this point? Oh, now apparently we stopped and buy some mines. Mm-hmm. Uh, Unless we pay ahead. it, no mind. Uh, I have to make up for last week, i was here. <laughs> <laughs> Three bugs! I missed I missed so, the quietness of the yeah, camp. it was so nice. Well, we're there. Uh, We're going to see about getting some food, we're going to see about doing what we need to, to make our journey back home. And, uh, I need to have a talk with both of the leaders of these two communities that are with us and let them know that of, of my intentions, if they want to go all the way to Durendal they can but we need to find a way to feed people so we may be in old log for a day or two or if necessary even more but hopefully not I don't want to be in old log for too long a lot of trouble in old log the good news is we're one of the few ships that can get back
2: out of it right also not Anything against you, Warren? You're in no condition for the road. No good thing on a boat. I say, if we have the time to spend in Old look to rest up and recuperate a little, would not go amiss. I'm barely mobile. And Warren's barely standing. You don't know Old Mark, do you? Never been. Heard the stories, but it beats dying in a mine because we rushed it a little. Well, here's the thing. The type of
4: trouble we get into, you can't do any work without clearing it by someone. That's all I know. I don't know who to fucking clear it by, but... uh,
1: And, just just something to point out, Um, we know somewhat the reputation of old Locke, and you happen to have a piece of paper that proves out that none of our faces should be seen in that fucking place.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Just a point. (laughs) Alright, we might have a bunch of knife men coming aboard. Right. Most likely, what we probably need to do is drop all of these people that are not coming with us. And if they are coming back with us, we need to know exactly who. Because if somebody gets on this ship, that's quite a pretty penny on our heads.
2: so we head up to old log and then we head to a mine so so what we're saying is that uh,
4: the community leaders cannot leave the ship because the community leaders are the only ones that are going to recognize all the faces and they will be near the gang planks both of them making sure the comings and goings of the people that was in their community. Yes. Sound like a plan? Thanks for us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, if we are leaving the ship, which I imagine we will, we'll go together.
1: Well, we can't be the only ones with the press on our head, not Lork, can we? Right. However, we might have the biggest, currently. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I don't think the so. The biggest and easiest to take out some of us.
4: Well, some for sure. Hi. All right. So while we're waiting, I suppose there's uh, a couple of conversations we can have, but. Uh, He was saying something earlier? Huh? Right before you went under.
5: Yeah. I said something, I was about to say. Hang on a moment.
4: And, uh, so put your hands on the table. Then I'll grab them. What was you saying? (laughs)
3: Okay. He has a mutilated hand at this point, so you're gonna immediately add a day. To his recuperation from Utility. Oh man. An additional day. He restrains you. Would you say that he manhandles him? <laughs> That's four
1: months. You bucks. literally have <laughs> to That's four months! No. <laughs> it's
2: two corruption per month. I'll take
4: it. A- yeah. He's I gonna die, man. Yeah. Yeah. was there any corruption for you and not? Probably
3: one corruption is being completely <laughs> oblivious to yeah. Warren's... This
5: hand ain't doing anything to you. It ain't going anywhere. You was saying... Her name was... Wait a second, I don't remember, she must have been poking around while I was under Look. It's gone.
4: That's convenient.
5: Oh, her name is Niscon. Oh, don't be making stupid dun- jokes, <laughs> this is serious business. When I say that, I mean it. Whoever's got the esoteric corinthal. You've had some time to look through it. You found anything? Because if this ain't figured out soon, I don't know how much longer I got. I'll always be here in the background, no matter what, she's in control. I'll always be here.
4: She can't make you go away, right?
5: Forever?
0: No,
4: if you kill her, you kill me too. I understand that. But there's no way that she can
5: kill you. You thinking right? I don't know. I don't have only answer if she does not talk to me. Well, cuz you know
4: If there's a point of no return, I need to know it. Cuz I can't say. I used to be morbid, but I imagine you wouldn't want to be prisoner for the rest of your, your life, right?
5: I can't say when that point is.
0: Alright.
5: But then I won't. You'll know it when you see it though. Really? Hope so. That'll be for you to judge. I won't I was
2: saying it. I'm going to guess it's when he's burning people and not tents. You're one to talk. You damn near, to- you tortured a man to death. Yes. And I think I was justly punished for it in just returning. Still, there is a stain of blood on the floor. I'm not saying what I did was good, Warren, but I think if you lose control, there's only a matter of time till you're burning people and not tents. All right, all right, all right.
5: Uh, what I'm getting at is, you found anything yet? Times of the essence.
2: I have a couple leads that I've been looking over. Like, might, might be able to pick your brain at some point. <laughs> um, so, sorry about that. You're <laughs> you Do you think, do you think <laughs> that... Uh, right. right.
4: Needs sure. uh, uh, not work. <laughs> taking... Wasn't, wasn't that man that was called Dr. Mindbender? Somewhere.
1: No, wait, the one back in Durandal? Mm-hmm.
5: Like Taron, Taryn I told you many times. This ain't, a, this ain't an issue of mind. This ain't a this ain't a head shrinking thing that gets done. This is well. Something taking up residence that can't be taken out with drills and pliers and knives. This is something that requires a tool of a different sort. Something that, if I recall rightly. Mm-hmm. Jonathan, had some sort of ritual when we were back down on the ground. Something like that. You could talk to him. Maybe we could set up something. Mm. Drive her out, maybe. I don't know. It's worth a try. Well, you know, I would love to do that. But, uh,
4: I don't know much about the religious. But perhaps someone around you knows about and I, I actually, I actually look across all three of you, knows a bit more about
5: those sorts of things. It's all up here. She knows it. It might be something it's holy. Just tricking her. It's just tricking her to get her to say it. She knows a lot of things that I don't. What I do never do? learned how to read. Here I am.
3: What do you think the chances are that we actually find a holy man in
4: Old
0: York?
4: I mean, it's a city. It's bound to be someone holy, right? It's a old rich man through the needle,
3: through the eye of a needle.
4: Maybe. <laughs> I mean, we can at least look. <clears throat> there's a lot of people. You know, somebody's going to be bound to try and save them. So. That's not a bad idea. We could talk
3: to, uh, and yeah, we talk to him. See, if that's something something we can use. Cause yeah, we, he got something from that
5: tomb. He wrote something down. Mm-hmm. Maybe we give a look at it.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: Maybe. I don't think religion is necessarily what I'm going for. You know, I, I know. Revere, revere the poison cradle and that's just to get her eye off me. You know, I. These other gods, you you fall. I don't think any of that sort of works. I don't in any reference. It ain't my upbringing.
2: It's definitely something to look into. Horrors beyond your capability of withstanding, and could break as a person. You, you reckon? There there might be something that might push you beyond your mental facilities and break you as a person. Do you suppose if we lured her to the surface at some point and subjected her to those same devices, we could break her and thus break the link to Warren?
5: You know me. I'm a a man that lives in a world shaped by it. She ain't like that. She's something more. She's she's made of sterner stuff. She ain't going to be privy to that sort of thing. She ain't, gonna, she ain't gonna be swayed by those winds of mere mortals and whatnot.
3: And we will close out here for Queen of Members for tonight.
0: Okay.
3: Uh, we will continue next week with episode 65. We're only four more away from episode 69, where all roles of 69 are considered <laughs> a critical success. Everybody, give yourself uh, 300 reward points. Yeah. yeah. All right. Lance here we are. Uh, we will continue next week. Thank you for your patronage. Thank you for watching. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed tonight. A little bit of a, 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 a shorter episode, uh, but obviously we did some character building with the new move to advanced tier, which is always fun. So um, we'll see you next week on Queen of Embers. Bye. 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 Bye.
0: Bye. Bye.